Hey, what's going on, Howie Spangler? It's Tales from the Green Room, episode number 44. Oh, man, it's been a minute. The whole point of me getting these two mics that I got um, were to be able to go on the road and do podcasts from the road. And I did one, but then I left my damn uh, MacBook charger at home, so I couldn't use my laptop. <laughs> so, ah, oh boy, you know, you know, the irony of it all. Um, today, uh... First off, first off, I want to say thanks to everybody that came out to the uh, the fall tour. We just finished it up a couple days ago. <clears throat> did a little, uh, did the rest of the run with Real Big Fish, and they're always great. And then uh, did a little run down to Florida and back. Thanks to Propaganda for coming out with us on that one. Thank you for t- if you attended the the shows. Always a fun time in Florida, man. Janice Live is such a killer venue out in St. Pete, and um, Jacksonville was a fun way to end it. Uh, so thank you once again. Uh, we got one more show coming up December 22nd here in Hartford County at, uh, in Bel Air, Maryland at Looney's Pub. So come out to that. Um, it's going to be a shit show. Balls to the wall for sure. Nuts to butts, whatever you want to say. Um, so get get four drinks when you finally get up to the bar. Get four drinks for yourself. Um, yeah, looking forward to that. Today I've got my friend Micah Puchel from Iration. It's a good dude. We had a great conversation. Uh, a lot of cool things I didn't know about him and the band. Um, so it was nice to get him on here and uh, get him to chat about it. And I also had him answer a few of the questions that you guys had for him on the old Instagram uh, last week. Some of the questions I got from you, he actually kind of answered in the conversation. So if I didn't get to your question, it probably got answered. Uh, and uh, we had a few problems, uh, audio issues. Um, I, I had to edit a little bit, so it's going to be a little weird towards the end. Um, but uh, I tried to clean it up the best I could. I didn't want to cut too much out, you know. So, uh, all right, everybody, give it up for my friend Micah Puchel from Iration. Micah, what's up, man? How's it going, Howie? How are you doing, buddy? <clears throat> I'm doing great. Doing great, man. Glad to have you on the show. Well, it's my pleasure to be on the show. Sick, dude. Um, right on, man. So uh, how are things? How's, how's it going? Things are really well. Uh, we uh, just finished playing a couple of shows um, the, last couple, the last two nights in Ventura, California. Um, raising money for the Woolsey fire. I don't know if that was a national thing, but it was a pretty big large scale fire that happened kind of in the Thousand Oaks Camarillo area, um, just south of where we live in Santa Barbara. So we, uh, you know, we give, we, we, we generally have done a few fundraisers over the years that kind of tries to re- raise money for, uh, for the firefighters and, and kind of the, com- the corporations that do, uh, help, help the firefighters, you know, direct relief being the organization that kind of does it. So that's really, that's yeah. really great, man. I saw, I saw a little bit of that on your socials, <clears throat> man. Yeah. You know, that's, uh, that's crazy, dude. Like I just seen the footage out there. I, I mean, I guess you can't really grasp even, you know, not, not experiencing it or being around it. Like I'm sure you can't grasp it. I've been, I've been to Cali in the past with, you know, with fires happening and things like that. And the one last year, um, back in like December in the Santa Ana, mm-hmm. um, that was crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, we had at the same time that one was going on, we had one in Santa Barbara, like basically right over the hill. It came down into Ventura, 
and kind of wiped out a bunch of like homes and businesses and then it it spread all the way north to Santa Barbara so <clears throat> excuse me we were uh, we were definitely wearing masks like around town for two weeks and it was like right before Christmas so you know it, w- it wasn't the best timing yeah uh, <laughs> but yeah it, then we had a mudslide after that so it's kind of been um, disaster central over here in the, the last you know year or so but you know, that's why we do these shows and, and try to try to give back to our community and you know, do the best we can. So that's really great, man. Using your platform that way, it's uh, yeah. not a lot of bands can can do that or even think about doing stuff like that. Um, that's great. yeah, we try. You yeah, know. for sure. So, um, <clears throat> new record is dope. Per use. Thank you. Yeah. Um, when when did that come out again? It was before summer, right? It was. It came out on May twenty fifth, I believe, right. was the date. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Always dope. And uh, K Rock picked it up. Press play. That's so rad. Yeah, that was a huge. That was kind of a huge step for us. And and we've been, you know, especially for bands in you know the in kind of the genre that we are all kind of lumped into. You know, we're all such different bands, but. You know, when you play together and you kind of come up together, you all end up getting lumped into the kind of like reggae, you know, white boy reggae scene, sure. quote unquote. Yeah. Um, which, you know, we're not we're not pretending that we don't play reggae, but like, you know, I think there is like if you listen to if you listen to the bands and you, you know, you you can hear that there's a pretty sizable difference between a large majority of the bands that are that are out there. And uh, I think for us, we've always said, like, it's been a goal of ours to get to, to, you know, to use radio and have radio be on our side. And I know you guys are in the same boat with that, sure. with, with that kind of strategy. And, and obviously the Dirty Heads are another band that, that's kind of in that same boat, 311. So, yeah, we've just we made it a goal. And uh, it was really nice to, to have that kind of, like, vindication to feel like, you know, People are actually listening and, and respecting what you're doing, so that was a nice a nice bonus for, for yeah for press play. I mean, I, when I saw started seeing all the the polls on um on K Rock's uh, Twitter, you know, like they they do the whole like new music meeting, who should we you know uh, who should we right. pick or who should we add? And was, I saw it, and I was like, oh, this is fucking great, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it's uh I don't know, I'm, I'm always proud to see proud and happy to see like people that I know. Uh, especially something like that. K Rock is is not easy, and um, no, you're you're yeah. barking up that tree your entire career, pretty much, you know. And uh, it was just nice to see that, like you guys, the Interrupters, you know. Yeah, we. I mean, we've been barking up that tree for literally our, you know, almost our entire career. Yeah. You know, besides, you know, the early early stuff. But yeah, and it, it felt felt good to finally break through you know it felt like we we're okay we're on the step we're on having a step in the right direction here and and uh you know what we're doing is we're doing the right thing you know that's what it kind of felt like it was like sometimes as a musician or you know writing and you're you're making music it's you can get lost in the sauce a little bit and kind of overthink things or wonder if you're doing the right thing or you're you know you're on the right path and that was kind of like a good sign that yeah you're on the right that we're on the right path and we're kind of doing the right thing you know 
thinking the right things. So. Yeah, I, I've always thought you guys have had um, the, uh, the the your sound was like good for radio. Like it's it was an organic kind of thing. It wasn't like none of your music ever feels like forced. Like you'd actually try to write songs for the radio. And I know you say like we've always mm-hmm. wanted to be on the radio. Of course, many bands want to be on the radio, but not a lot of bands can like really. I don't know. There's just a certain sound. Um, and, uh, you know, I've always felt like you and I like <clears throat> have like a similar sort of approach to the songwriting as far as melodies go and stuff. Like you understand what a good mm-hmm. melody is and what, what a hooky, uh, catchy chorus is supposed to feel like, I, you know, and I've always, yes. you know, yeah. and that, that's been coming through since your first stuff that, that I remember hearing, you know, over 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it, so it was no surprise, you know, um, that you guys were going to, that if it did happen, I, I wasn't like, oh my God, that was out of nowhere. I just knew it, if it was going to happen to somebody that you guys were definitely one of the bands, you know? Well, thank you. And yeah, I mean, I know you and I, you know, just, just when you listen to our music, you know, melody is a big, is a big piece of what we're doing. And, uh, for me, I think that's kind of where my strength lies is, is really in melody writing and, and, uh, I've gotten better at the other, the other, you know, aspects of songwriting and, uh, lyrics and, and, uh, you know, structure and, and other things like that. But for me, I think where I really just have, uh, like my biggest strength really as a musician is, is in writing melody and, and kind of those little, things that kind of make our sound what it is and um you you're you're, i feel like you're kind of in the same you're you're in the same in the same boat with me i think that uh your your strength is the melodies that you guys write and i think that just be you're just on a different musical platform you know you guys have a a little bit more rocky edgier sound that has uh you know i know who you're I know you're you're a big Green Day and, and 311 oh, yeah. and, and kind of bands that that rock. <laughs> totally. So <clears throat> I know I remember that from you know when we were touring together almost you know ten years ago. So it's like yeah, we just kind of came. We're like we're kind of in the same. We're like brothers, but we came came up in like different cities. You know what sure. I mean? Like as far as that that realm of songwriting goes. But yeah, I think for me when I listen to a song. Um, the, the thing that I listen to most for is melody first and foremost. And I think that's what most people do. Um, there was like a period in, in time where I was just like, I don't even think ma- like lyrics matter at all. Uh, Dude, have you heard songs I've from sen- the 90s? Sen- <laughs> yeah, exa- that was exactly what I was going. It's like, I don't think lyrics really matter. I think it's just really about, you know, a hucky beat and a, you know, a hucky syncopation and a melody. And that's really it. And, um, I, I don't think that now I, I do value lyrics a lot more now, sure. but I've since changed, but, um, I do think that it's mostly melody when it comes to songwriting. Yeah. I feel like, um, <laughs> a lot of times, even in, even in some songs today, you know, but like, um, it's not so much what you say, it's how you say it. And, uh, yes. Yeah. If you've got a, totally. if you've got that undeniable hooky chorus, you can pretty much say whatever you want, you know? And, um, yeah, but I yeah. think it's an added bonus when the, when the lyrics actually do mean something and have some depth, you know, to, to really connect with people. Cause you can throw up party songs all day long, you know, but exactly. I think, I think majority of the people, at least a lot of our fans, they, they would rather hear me talking about, you know, real experiences or, or things that they can relate to, 
you know. Oh, 100%. Everyone loves the party, but, you know, it's like, it's weird how we like, as humans, like, music is such like a, uh, it's such a primal thing. It's it's like we need it, you know, and, Mm -hmm. um, and when we, even when we're feeling sad and fucked up, like, you still want to listen to a sad, fucked up song (laughs) for some reason, because maybe it's because it, it makes you feel like, okay, I'm not the only one dealing with this, you know? <clears throat> yeah, I think that's true. And I think that connecting connecting to somebody else that may, may be, you know, especially a musician, it's like if, if you're listening to their music, it's probably somebody that you enjoy or you, you know, and you feel like they understand where you're coming from. I think that's what the biggest thing is, is like somebody out there understands or has been, is able to kind of sum up the way that you're feeling um, because sometimes people have a hard time understanding their feelings, you know, sure. and it's like, I just feel shitty or I just feel sad or, you know, and then this person kind of, kind of round, like explains it in a way that's like neat and it, and it happens to have a good melody and it's like, you know, the emotion is there and you're like, Oh, okay. That's, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. That's what I was feeling. You're able to like, uh, uh, put it together in this nice little pretty package for them. And they can exactly. they can unpack it any way they want, and it's just they're like fuck. That's that's me, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a good point. Um, yeah, and I, I've always felt like if a song, a, a listener, listeners know when it's genuine or not. Like you, you can tell if if you're listening to a song, you can tell if oh this guy's this is just BS. This is some made up story, or this is just some kind of whatever song that the lyrics are just kind of. They don't really have a, an earnest story behind them or, you know, a real emotion. I've always felt like people really know that. And so I, it really kind of clicked for me when we were writing the Time Bomb album, you know, like one of our first albums. Cause the, the when we wrote No Time for Rest and the kind of stuff before that, I was, I really didn't, we didn't have a clue what we were doing to just be perfectly honest. Like we didn't even know what, how to, we'd never taken a songwriting course or like read about songwriting or understood like what the actual process and like art of songwriting is and so we were just writing songs like oh you have this year let's make a let's make a beat okay let's put some lyrics that sound cool um and a chorus that has cool sounding words in it you know it was like yeah it was like what it was you write songs based on what songs that you've heard and not based on understanding how to write a song so it was i think when we wrote we started writing new songs. We wrote songs like, uh, like our early stuff, like falling and, and, and stuff like that, that had, that I wrote at a period in time where like the actual, you know, emotions and things that I was feeling were like real emotions. And I was kind of like, you know, before that I was just kind of drifting around and, and, uh, kind of dead, like kind of just a dead, like person on the inside. <laughs> just dead emotionally. <laughs> Just a dead emotional person, like how, you know, you know, you get, you get that way at, at certain parts of your life where it's like, you know, you don't have a direction. I had like just graduated from college. I was like just drinking a lot and partying a lot, and and I was just kind of floating around. And I think that that's when I, you know, the success of those songs when we first wrote them were like my first like, oh, maybe it's good to have you know actual emotion behind a song or like an actual like feeling driving a song and that translates because people really like latch onto it when they, when they know that it's real. And I think that's like a really key 
thing when it comes to making songs and and uh, you know what we've done in our career. Yeah, I think I think listeners appreciate um, the honesty. They can see through the bullshit, you know, and they appreciate the honesty and they want to relate to it. And um, yeah, I mean that's that's like like you were saying, like the our, our strengths as songwriters, melodic stuff or whatever. And I think that <clears throat> embracing the strength. Embracing your strengths and letting your band members embrace their strengths. Like, let everybody do their job. Don't try to do someone else's job. You know what I mean? Like, don't try to cover everything. Let you, you're working with these people for a reason because they're good at what they do. All the guys in your band are great. What great at what they do? Fucking Joe holds it down back there. You know, Casein on the keys. Like, and, and Micah Brown is, as an addition the last couple of years has been fucking amazing. It really, I think it really took the band sound up even higher. You know. Oh um, yes, I agree. And um. Micah Brown and just what we were real, we're getting into now as a, as a band is like learning how to write as a, you know, write as a group and write as a collaborative effort, you know, and, and write in, with different groups of guys and different pairings. And, and I think it's, it's important that you are able to do that. I mean, I, for a long time, it was like, you know, Kai, Kai and I, when, when Kai was in the band, it was very much like, our job to kind of like hole up and like write a bunch of songs and um occasionally like the guys would you know join in on that and we would write like essentially it was like we write songs on acoustics and then we give them to the band and then the band kind of figures out their their part right and now it's like the kind of process is a little bit different where it's like we can we can all be sitting there in the studio excuse me and um we can like everybody can kind of just like put their hands on it in the very early stages. Cause we're working now we work backwards from like, as opposed to working and building it from a acoustic guitar. A lot of the songs that we've done recently, we're building, we're building like a full musical track and then we're like adding on to it from there. That's cool. Um, so it's like a different process. And, and I think that's been key for us like over the last couple of records is just being able to, really give everybody an ability to like fully do their essentially do their job what you're saying is like you know everybody can play to their strength and it's like i think in any business or whatever it is you do in life like if you set your your people up for success i think it it ultimately ends up being a better product at the end of you know what you're doing yeah i feel like i feel like iration is firing on all cylinders you know like everyone's just doing what they're supposed to do and the songs are coming out great and um you know, more people latching on all the time to you guys. And it's just been insane how much I've seen you guys out there doing stuff over the last couple of years. Um, and now the radio thing, and it's just, I don't know, it's just all awesome, you know? Thank you. Yeah, I, I think we are too. And I think a lot of that was, you know, we've been through, obviously our band in particular has been through a lot of change. And, and you know, from when we started and when we first met you, like the band was a totally different band all you know so true. essentially like we made we made a di- we made a different sound we had a different li- lineup you know Kai and Catlin were part of the band early and and uh Joe King was on the stage for for a few years and it's like we we made decisions that you know had Joe King become a front of house engineer and you know Catlin left early after no time for rest and then Kai was obviously around until right about uh, the automatic when we put an automatic and every time you know they left it was a big like when Kai left especially it was a big 
change for us. And we had to like figure out how we're going to do this. You know, we were used to having two singers. We're used to having kind of another voice and another songwriter. And he, he left right at the, uh, when we released automatic, when we were about to release automatic. So right when he did it, he's like, this is a good time. So I'll, I'll leave right now. And, and, uh, you guys won't be screwed. Cause, and I was like, okay, well, I have to go back and cut a bunch of vo- vocals on these songs. Cause if we put a record out with his vocal all over the, the album, mm-hmm. then we're not gonna be able to play, you know, the songs are going to sound different when we play them and, and so on and so forth. So a lot of the songs on automatic were songs that were initially Kai's kind of vocal. And I had to go back and, and cut them last minute. So that was kind of an interesting huh. like thing. And it took it, I think it took us a couple of years and we kind of, like automatic, I love I love the album. You know, I love working on it and working with people like Lincoln Parish and and people that were in a different realm than us, really musically. And it was a cool experience. And but at the end of it, uh, I think it took us like a like almost like two years or three years to like really figure out what we were doing after Kai left. And and I think when we added Michael Brown, that was kind of that was really what we needed. It was we needed another guy that could sing, another guy that could is a really strong songwriter and obviously somebody that is a really strong musician. Um, yeah, he shreds. Yeah, so we we we're always said if we're going to add musicians to the band, we should add, be adding musicians that are better than we are. So that, <laughs> totally. So that it, it so that it ups the level of the band, you know. And and that's always my like philosophy is like, I don't want to add a guitar player that's shittier than I am. Like I want to add a guitar player that pushes me to get to get better and to be better and it lifts the overall musicianship you know and and i think that he definitely fits the bill so he's been good it's been great he's he's you know he and i he fit fit right into the band and and kind of it was seamless and um we work really well together in the studio you know he has a really keen ear on for songwriting and and uh he's kind of a studio rat with lou at 17th street he's been working with him for years so it's like he knows the process of being in the studio. He's really like up the studio game overall of the band. And I think that's been a, a huge piece of what has made us, you know, grow over the last two records. That's great, man. Yeah, it definitely takes, um, when you were saying earlier about, you know, you had no idea what the fuck you were doing. And I think many, many bands, probably every band can relate to that. Um, then those, those early days, the, the first recording, stuff like that, it takes time. It takes experience and time being in a studio to really learn how to record properly, right? You wouldn't think oh, you yeah. had to learn how to do it, but you do, you know, just uh, expectations and things like that. And um, and just kind of just learning how to be in a studio and how to I don't know, get get the best tracks you can get and things like that. Um, it takes time. So, um, yeah, that's really cool. I mean, obviously it shows like <clears throat> like the, the your last couple of records have just been they they sound great. They sound bigger than they've ever sounded. I remember remember when uh <clears throat> when you guys put out Reelin', I was like, and it's that's still like probably my favorite song by you guys now. Like, I mean, you know, Falling was like the big mm-hmm. one, right? Um I fucking yeah. love Reelin', dude. Like, um and when when you guys put that out there, I was like, God damn, this sounds huge, you know? Just yeah. the, the, yeah. the sound quality and everything just really leveled up. Um and, uh, you know, that was like really the beginning of like, okay, these guys are like doing some fucking, some alternative radio shit now. This is like, you yeah. know, I, like I said, you, the potential was there. And then you guys started, it really started showing when that record came out. 
<clears throat> I, I think a lot of that had to do with, you know, we worked, worked with a new producer, you know, we worked with King David and, and he comes, he's like a disciple of, and, you know, a partner. He worked with like, like Pooh Bear and, uh, um, Storch, Scott Storch. Wow. So he's like, comes from these, like this world of like massive pop, pop and hip hop, you know, producers, these guys that, you know, they know how to make a record big and, and he's really talented. He's a talented keyboard player. Uh, he's a classically trained like piano. So, and he's been doing it for years. So he like, really what it came down to is he really understands how to like bring the, bring the song, you know, to that place. And for us, it was like, like you said, the early days were us sitting in the studio and being like, well, I hear this in my head, but like, I don't know what it is. And I don't know how to get there. Like, I don't know how to record it. I don't know how to like arrive there. And so like a lot of the early songs that we were, were songs that like we'd get in the studio and I'd be like, I'll have the sound in my head or I have this, I hear it. Okay. Can we, and then, and then at the end of the song, I was like, well, this is nothing like what I heard in my head, but I still like it. You know, it's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and now it feels like we, I can get to where I, I, the way that I'm hearing it in my head, like when we start a song or when I start to write a song or whatever. And I think that's down to working with, you know, talented producers and, um, JP Hester, when we started working with him, like it was, we were all just starting. Like JP is, a, is a talented in a way that he's really, he lets you, he lets you do your thing. Like he lets, uh, he let us be ourselves and like, do what we were wanted to do in the early days and we had his studio in Ventura and we were we were uh like if if you saw what we were doing on the Time Bomb record like a lot of people still to this day are like you know Time Bomb's your best album we love Time Bomb I'm like well if you saw the way that we cut that album like it was a joke <laughs> it was an absolute joke like we were be we would go down there at like 10 in the morning and we'd be literally just sitting in there like trial and airing stuff for like until at four in the morning, you know, just sitting there and like, oh, we're going to go eat some food and then we're going to sit back down and we're going to like cut a 10 million like synthesizer parts. And then we're going to, you know, for like 10 hours and then we're going to like use like three of them. You know, it was just a joke. Like it was such a waste of time. We, we, cut, we took us, it literally took us like, like probably like seven months of cutting. Wow. Which, you know, like, if anybody that knows anything about cutting a record, like, you cut a record in, like, two weeks or something like that, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, if you're cutting, like, you're actually in there recording music, like, yeah. now, we, like, we cut, we cut Hot Enough in, like, two different sessions in L.A. that were, like, a total of, like, maybe two and a half weeks, three weeks. Wow. And, like, we, we cut, like, the last record was, like, this was, like, maybe the same thing. And it's, like, if you're not... If you're going to the studio and you're not ready to cut, then you're wasting money. And, and, and you know, places that we cut out are expensive, you know, and you know that. And I mean, yeah. if you go into a studio, we don't have our own studio. Like Santa Barbara, I can, you know, I can barely afford, like, you know, space enough for my dog to live in the house with us. So it's like <laughs> buying, a, buying a studio here is like, you know, is, is like, you know, it's a lot of money. So it's like we we're still, you know. We go into, we go into these places. We go into East West in LA and, and we go into Santa Barbara Sound Design where we cut and we're actually cutting today. But, um, 
it's expensive. So you don't want to be wasting time. You want to be ready to cut when you get in there. And it's like, I just think back on time bomb and it was literally we just sitting there on a couch and I'm going to be like, Oh, I got to cut a solo today. And it'd be like, Oh, my goal is to just cut a so one solo <laughs> in like a 13 hour in like a 13 hour, like thing. Oh my God. And, and like, wow. that's just down to like, we just had no idea what we we're doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we just, like JP would like be losing his mind because we we're just like, I'd be like, no, that's not yeah, it. Just no, fucking off it. the whole time. You know? And he's just like, yeah, you're just dicking around and it's like, <laughs> you know, that those are the early days and like, yeah, it's possible to come out with something that's like, you know, successful and people like, you know, Time Bomb still to this day still sells, sells records and people love Big it. And, you know, people download it and, you know, when we play those songs, they love it. And it's like, but for me, like, I just think about how difficult it was to make that record. <laughs> and it's like, it wasn't an easy process. It wasn't a na like a flow. It was... It was just a grind, a hundred percent a grind, and we ground every single one of the songs. It's just down to the fact that we had no idea what we we're doing, you know. Yeah, we didn't like JP was learning on that was was essentially learning on the job with us. Um, he hadn't produced like big, any, any like you know records for bands on our scale at that point, and um, we hadn't worked with anybody. We didn't even understand like what a producer did. We didn't understand what a, like. Oh, you're an engineer, but you're, are you going to help us produce this? And he's like, I'm not a producer. Like, I'm essentially your engineer, but like, you know, we didn't even get that. We were just so, so green and so like naive to the whole thing. And I think like now knowing like, you know, we have, we have an engineer that we've been working with, Will Briere, that's really, really amazing and, and really, really just like when you, when you work with people that are, that are on that professional level and, and make the process so much easier so much faster and like it's like i don't ever like when i go in the studio it's it's hard for me to to not you know have those people people because i'm i'm like clueless when it comes to <laughs> to pro tools and and all the programs i'm the guy that's just like i just want to show up and like and just do my thing and not I, I literally like you get me on there i'm just like uh how do you like highlight something? <laughs> that's great <laughs> you know it's like that's great yeah i'm an, I'm, an, I'm a dunce when it comes to like all the geary stuff but it's like you know i i let them do their job essentially it's like what we were talking about earlier it's like let let the guys that are really really good at their job do their job it's like you know i think that's a testament to like why the last two records sound sound so much better and for me when i hear them like they sound Obviously, I love the way that they sound a lot more, and I like the way that my vocals sound. I like the way that the drums sound. I like, you know, the tones that we got, and just all overall the sonics of everything just sound better. Yeah, you know, and I think, I think that's the difference between musicians and, and and people like us that make music and people that are more that are all about consuming it, is that we're uber focused on sonics, and I think that. Some, a lot of people are more, are more focused on the feel, you know, like the overall feel of the song and like, how does it make them feel and how do they attach to it? That's why when people say, Oh, I love Time Bomb. It's the be your best album. It's because they've attached to it in a way that's emotionally different. And like, when I listen to an album, I'm like, well, I like our newest album because sonically, I think it sounds the best. And I think that the songwriting is the strongest and the tightest, but like, you know, we're coming from like, 
I can't even listen to like some of our old records because of the way that they oh sound God, like, sonically. Same. I can't even process. I can't even process the song because it's like as soon as I hear like a weird guitar tone or like a buzzy amp in the thing, and I'm just like, oh God, oh, no, 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 I'm out. It's my my voice, dude. The first like three fucking records, man. If I listen to my voice, I, I cringe because I'm like. I felt like I, I like I could sing, you know, but like it's just the things that I was doing, the, the certain, I don't know, the nuances and things. I'm like, oh my god, why did I do that? And like definitely songs where I'm like, I oversang the fuck out of that, and it's ridiculous. Like, why did no one stop me? Oh god, you know, people be like, <laughs> exactly, nobody was stopping us. That was the problem. Is like, there was nobody there going, guys, you've been in the studio cutting the synth parts for six hours <laughs> straight, like stop like just do something else like <laughs> and see you know like, this is why this is why you pay people think they hire producers because they're gonna like make them blow up blow up on the radio or get them signed to a record label that's not why you get a producer you get a producer to help you focus because they're experienced they know how to do this shit and they help you focus on the strengths of the song or you know encourage you to write better parts or whatever it is and they they, they exactly. extract like your best performances and you know <clears throat> that is why you hire you, a producer you, you need somebody there to say yes or no. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's like, not a yes man. More of a no, no man. Not a yes man. Somebody that's like, mm, you can do better yeah. or that's fine. Let's move on. Like <clears throat> we got that. You know what I mean? Like otherwise we're, we're, we're too close. If you're too close, you know what I mean? Like you can, you can't see the forest from the tree. So it's like musicians get that way all the time where you're like, I, I need to do this again. Oh, it's not perfect. And then you're just like, listen, dude, don't worry about it. We got it. We'll, we'll fix it. We'll make it right. Like this and that, you know? And so you, you need, yeah, you need that person to kind of be the editor and be the guy that's going to say like, you can do that better. Cause for me, like, especially vocally, Dave has really pushed me to like be better. You know, it's just be like, you know, you can do better than that. Like you can do this, you can do this. Like, and, uh, you get so used to like being in control of everything, you know, when we cut those other records, it was like on me, like, Oh, I'm good. I'm done. That's good. I'm done. <laughs> yep. You know, and I, I'm like, I'm a perfectionist when it comes to like after the fact, like when I hear it, but it's like when I'm in, when I'm doing it, I'm kind of a lazy ass. Like I don't want to do it a, like a thousand. Like I know when I cut a vocal now, I'm going to be in there for a long time. Yeah, like, hours <laughs> and it's hours. And it's like, Oh my God, I'm going to have to cut the same line like a thousand times and get it right. Yeah. And like, but you know, that's how it goes now. And it's like, if you want to have it sound like great, you know, you have to, you have to push yourself to get there. And it's like, I think that's what, again, like what you said, I think the producer is, is, uh, the key to that, you know, and working with somebody that understands what you're, what you're trying to get, you know, understands what your sound is. And, uh, yeah, I think we, we, we've been lucky in that, in that fashion that we've been able to work with Dave, um, and JP. They've both been really, really great. And, and Lincoln for that matter. Lincoln Parish is awesome person as well so yeah yeah we've been blessed yeah i mean all the stuff like i said has been coming out really great and um this i'd say that this one the, the self-title is definitely like <clears throat> the most um the most different from your from all the records you've done before but not in a bad way it's just mm -hmm. like it's a it's a significant growth and you guys are definitely trying new things and um and I, i'd say i mean when i listen to uh press play a couple times like the single um mm -hmm. You know, when you think about it, like why did K Rock pick it or whatever? Like it just, it just kind of, it just fits, you know, with what they're doing. And, and uh, I think every now and then, it, it still has kind of a, it still has like a reggae feel to it, you know. 
Um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, just the hook on it. It's just that press play. You know what I mean? Just, I don't know. I just feel like it's something people get down with. And it has, like, the right elements and the right tones and everything. And Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that, uh, you know, especially on this record, um, on the last record, that's self-titled. I, you know, it's like a, for me, I'm like the broken record guy that says, like, says it all the time. But, like, we always have just said, like, ever since ever since we made time bomb like we just say listen we just want to make songs like that's all we care about like like all i care about is making a good song like i don't even care i if i listen to the radio i don't care what genre it is like i really don't i really don't care it could be like the most deep like country or like deep it could be the complete opposite way it could be like a super trappy like hip hop like you know song and it's like as long as the song is good i don't care i'll like it like yeah. you know it could be the most bubblegum pop song you've ever heard and i'll love it just because it's if if it's a well written song and it's all the elements are there like i'm into it you know and and so for me like with iration i have always said like listen we just want to make good songs and we don't really care what the genre is like yeah we're going to we usually get lumped into the the reggae thing and it's like and a lot of the songs aren't really even reggae songs to be honest and it's like we understand that that's why we don't get like you know we don't get like we don't fit into the the reggae category if when a grammy comes out like they don't they don't even think like you know we heard like with hot enough they broached our record they broached the record for the grammys and they're like well this isn't even reggae (laughs) so they're like basically like it got released under reggae, or I think, or Hotting Up got released under alternative, but like even with this last record, they just don't consider us reggae. So like we'll never be in that, in that realm, which is for us is fine. Like obviously like, you know, when you see, we have all these other bands in our genre that kind of fit into that realm a little bit more, you know, that, you know, you have the, you know, the revolutions and the stupids and J Boog and, and kind of the band, those bands that fit the reggae mold a little bit better like proper roots reggae type stuff um but i think that you know we're like we can do that but we do we do kind of like have that element of alternative alternative and like pop that's kind of like flowing through us where to the point where i can see why a dude that's like really into you know uh like ziggy marley's live album like wouldn't think that we're reggae, you know what I mean? Or wouldn't really like in necessarily like latch on to what we're doing. I get yeah. it. And like, yeah. we're not gonna, the thing is, is we're not gonna like shift our music just to fit into a category. Like I don't really want to do that. I always feel like in music and as we get older, like when you're younger, you feel like, Oh my God, we gotta like, we gotta get to this place. We gotta fit into this realm. We gotta impress these people. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, dude i'm like old now i don't i don't care anymore <laughs> like i don't care i want to i want to make music that i can listen to and not feel embarrassed like totally dude like i want to listen i want to make put a song on that i can play for like my mother-in-law or like you know uh anybody like somebody like a like somebody that i just meet and they can be like and i can be like proud to put it on and be like you know this is this is what i do and they can be like and they either like it or they don't but i'm not I'm not worried about it. You know what I mean? I'm not, I don't feel like it's not true to who I am and like what I enjoy. And I always feel like I hear these stories about bands, you know, and it's all about 
they just they get to a point in their career where they go, listen, I just started making music that I want to hear. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's what the point where we're at is like, we just want to make songs that we want to hear. And I don't really care what, what genre it gets released under. I don't really care for like, if it's reggae enough or it's not reggae enough or whatever it is. I just care that it's good. Like, I just care that the songs are good and they're, and, and they are real and they sound good. You know, and that's a hundred percent where I'm, I'm coming from. Yeah, no, totally, man. We we don't put we put our stuff out in alternative, um, and uh, if we put, I know we put out um, uh, our song, our EP, the Cool Down, in the reggae category, but that song was a little more uh, had more of that sound going on. There's like some acoustic stuff, things like that. Um, but like you know, the new record, for example, it's 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 a fucking rock record. You know, it's a punk rock, whatever. Yeah, and um. I think there's like one song on it that has like one and a half songs that has like any kind of reggae going on. And it wasn't on purpose. It wasn't um, like, I'm not making a reggae record. It's going to be the most heavy. It's like, it wasn't that. It was like, there were things going on in my life that happened the last couple of years and like dark things that where if mm-hmm. I, I knew that like, I wasn't going to put out like a pop reggae record. Cause I, our reggae is very like, whenever we do that stuff, it's more, it's more, pop oriented it's like kind of bouncy and pop it's not roots at all and um i I knew that this the stuff that i was going to be writing about wasn't going to fit on that backdrop and so you know that's when i go back to my fucking billy joe armstrong like i just want to rock out and get this this Mm -hmm. angst out about all the (laughs) shit that's happening to me um you know so that it just happened that way and um you know so it it goes back to sticking to your guns and doing what you want to do and your your fans I guess they can love it or hate it, but um, I think at the end of the day they'll appreciate um, the the honesty and the truth from it. We get people from our uh, our girls' record from last year that um, did mm-hmm. really well. It was one of our biggest rollouts ever, and um, it's uh, like a lot of those songs are in the in our top ten Spotify and all that stuff. So like it's always like our softer songs too that are in like the top ten and shit. Um, I know. Yeah, <laughs> that's the curse. Yeah, dude. And so uh, so. You know, even that record, we put that out in alternative as well. I feel, I just felt like it wasn't, it's not, what we do isn't really reggae. We're, we're definitely like playing those sounds and things. But, um, you know, I feel like it's a it's an insult in a way to, to call my band a reggae band when there's so many great reggae artists out there, you know. And I'm just using the yeah. sound because I, I just love the, that type of music. And I started mixing that shit up. I got my reggae influences from Goldfinger and Sublime. <laughs> you know what I mean? Of all, of yeah, all places. Yeah. And then I just went back from yeah. there. I mean, and it's like, you know, we the reason why reggae is a, such a big part of what we do is we grew up listening to it. And when we started playing, we were literally a, we were a cover band. So, like, we covered reggae songs. That's what that's how we started playing music. We did, we're, not, we're not a band that started in, like, high school and, like, you know, was, like, writing original music from the time we were like 16. Like none of us were musicians really. Like I learned to play guitar when I was 19, when I went, or when I was 18, when I went to college, like I didn't even know how to play guitar. (laughs) I was like, I, I, I went to my, my college dorm and was like, I brought my ukulele from, from Hawaii. And I was like, yeah, I got this ukulele. I played in high school and everybody was like, Oh, cool. (laughs) And then (laughs) cool dude. Now people love the ukulele um, by the way, these days. I know it blew up. (laughs) And, and we've used it on on records, but side note, but, uh, <laughs> no, but one of the guys on my my hall was a uh, he was a guitar player, and he had a, he had a guitar, and he was like, 
really good, really, really good player. And he basically taught me how to play this guy, Brett Turner. And he taught me all the basics and, and, you know, how to kind of like, you know, how to, how to, you know, like minor theory and like how to, you know, just chords essentially. And like how to play and just technique, like basic technique stuff. And it's like, that was like really the only guitar lessons I've ever had in my life was just le learning. And then I, I got obsessed and just every time I see a guitar, I had to play it. You know, I think, you know, that same feeling. It's like when you first pick up a guitar and you start learning guitar, it becomes like this obsession where you're like, I just want to play guitar. I just want to play every guitar. Like anytime day, you see it. Yeah. Every time you see a guitar, you're like, Oh, I want to play it. I just want to play a song. Seriously. Like, I, I, I wish I could get back to that point of, you know, where it's like, it's like, excited, you know, the man. first time. Yeah, it's like the first time, the first time you smoke weed or something like that. You yeah. Know, or the first time you have a, you, you drink a drink and you're like, oh my God, like this is amazingly like, I, you're, you feel like you're in another world, you know, it's like, you can't ever get there again, really. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's like, I wish I could, you know, maybe there's another instrument that I need to learn. Like maybe if I started playing piano, it'd be like the same thing. And I kind of like, sometimes think I want, I want to learn, but, um, I just, you know, that's that feeling of like, Oh my God, I just want to play guitar. And it's like, we all just came late to the game and, and, uh, Joe D played a little bit of drums. We all, we all, Adam learned how to play bass, um, in the band, you know, Kason played a little bit and had like a high school band. He was younger than us. He had like a little high school band, but he played guitar in the band. And he basically played keys because Rory from revolution was in our band. And then when he, left to go play in revolution because he thought we were going to stop playing because adam was like going to move back to hawaii we're all in college and he's like oh i'm gonna go play with revolution we're like yeah that's cool and um so we're like oh we need a keyboarder case and you're gonna play keys um <laughs> i know you play guitar but you're gonna play keyboards now and he was like all right so we did that to Scott. Like, our band yeah our band was put together basically just like oh who can play who can fill in this spot we need to play these songs these cover songs and it was like because we learned how to play music by playing reggae songs, like it's always going to be, you know, in our sound. Like it's not something that we're, we're trying to like escape or we're trying to push into our song. It's, it's just, that's just who we are musician as musicians. Like, yeah, like I'm not, a, I'm, I'm definitely not like a guitar player that can play like a million different things. Like I'm a, like a, essentially like a, a rhythm guitar player that can as stronger in this this genre because that's how I learned how to play guitar like electric guitar like playing these songs so you know I think that as a band like we've always just been like you know in a way we it's helped us because we couldn't we couldn't branch out earlier we didn't really know how we didn't know how to play other styles of music we were just playing what we were you know could play essentially like Oh, I don't even know, like, you know, when we first started, it's like, well, I know, like, five chords, so I'm going to write songs with, like, the five chords that I know, you know? I know, like, I can make this major into a minor, and it'll sound different. Da, 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 da. We were so basic, yeah. you know, and, and uh, I think that um, that actually was a, it actually helped us, because it, I think keeping, trying to trying to be too too much and too, too complicated early um, kind of kept, I think that would have, that would have hurt our sound a little bit. I think that we being simple and keeping things like kind of right there in the, in the pocket was, uh, 
of our strengths was uh was kind of a blessing in disguise really so so actually it's it's it was good to be shitty at music <laughs> totally <laughs> you gotta be <laughs> that's uh that's great um <clears throat> yeah i think uh i mean same thing for us it was like you know you it's easy to to have an identity crisis i mean when we were starting out it was it was 95 when we started the band so you know my favorite bands were green day and i was listening to like Silverchair and Bush and Stone Temple Pilots and you know bands like that. Awesome. So like you, you know, you start writing songs that are similar to that stuff. But I, I was more, I was always more in like the the pop punk side of it with the Green Day stuff and you know Offspring yeah. and all that. And and I mean pop punk's as as simple as it gets. You know, like I was literally I started playing power chords. Finally learned a bar chord like a couple of years after I started playing. I think I was fourteen when I started playing. And mm-hmm. and uh, never took any lessons. Just I, I had a book. I bought a guitar center or Music Land over here, <clears throat> and I learned like three chords like via like tabs, and that was just it, you know. And I just started writing songs, and they were fucking terrible. That's awesome, you know. Yep. But, um, oh, yeah. You know, a lot of love songs, things like that. And um, I'm always the love song guy. I write a lot of love songs. Can't help it. But uh, hey, you know what? So do I. <laughs> and, but you know what? Like, I always think it was like, I think it was the Beatles. I'm a massive Be- fan of the Beatles. And they always said like, every song is really a love song, like at, at heart, because why would you write a song about it if it was something that you didn't care about? So whether that's love, like love as, as far as, you know, a direct love song, like a song about, I love this person, or it's a song about, loving a thing or a song about losing love or a song about, you know, that's, that's essentially where, where, where it all comes from is as a place of love. So it's like, if you, if you don't love something, then it's not going to be something worth writing a song about regardless of what it is. Like, I love my dog. I write a song about my dog. I love my, uh, I love my car. You know, it's like a beach boy song. I love my car. I love my like, you know, this and that. So it's like, love my surfboard. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. I think like when it, it's a, like, you know, it should always be, you should feel comfortable writing love songs because every song is really a love song at heart. If it's a good song, I feel like. And if you, uh, I mean, you look at the Beatles, it's like literally like all, their entire catalog is just, lo- are just love songs in different ways. Like even the weird ones. I mean, I mean, there's some that are maybe not directly love songs, you know, you have like benefit of Mr. Kite and stuff like that are just kind of whimsical, weird ones, but it's like, there's always an element in there that it makes you feel some sort of emotion, whether or not it's like, like sadness or, or something else. I'm blowing my mind right now. That's very, Am I? yeah, dude. It's like, I never thought of it that way. <laughs> it's true though. It's, it's true. What, you, what you're saying, you know, quoting Paul McCartney or whatever, but like, it's very true. Cause it, it, everything that I write about, I've always said my stuff comes from the heart and I, you don't really think about what that means. I guess you just think, stuff that's yeah. happened to you in the past or whatever, or maybe happened to a friend and you're, you're writing a song about that situation. But like, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it is, you know, if, if it's not worth writing about, then, you know, you don't care about it. And I don't know, it's just wild. You just kind of like flip, flip my world right there. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, and like for, for me, like a lot, it's hard. And that's where I think like, like for a writer, it's like writing block, writer's block comes from like, like a lack of passion more than it comes from like a lack of ideas. You yeah. know? I think like it's, it's people like, Oh man, I don't know. I don't have anything that motivates me to write about because I'm not passionate about anything right now. Like, like 
you know, and it's like, you know, some people say, oh, the tortured artist, you have to be, you have to have gone through like some massive like trauma problem or like trauma to to, like write a good record. And it's like, I don't necessarily subscribe to that. Like, I feel like if you can, if you can, if you're an empathetic person or like, like for instance, Kurt Cobain, you know, he wrote, um, but he wrote like, uh, rape, rape me. And he wrote these songs, he wrote these songs by hearing, hearing about these like stories on the, uh, in the paper or reading these stories in the paper. And he empathized and put himself into these people's shoes. And he wrote from the perspective of like, oh, like he wrote from the perspective of a woman being, you know, taken advantage of. And it's like, yeah. that didn't happen to him, but it like, it affected him to the point where he was able to write a song that was like, um, was this amazing song that put himself into the perspective of someone else. And I think that's like, if you're able to be empathetic and like put yourself into that, a a different place, like you can still hit that emotional vein. Absolutely. Even if you're like, even if it didn't directly happen to you, like if it, the emotion is still there because it's something that affected you and it's, you felt, you felt it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think that's, you know, that's where it all comes from, you know, and I think that, uh, yeah, listen to good songs. Kurt Cobain yeah, is one of those. That, you hear it. He's one of those guys that that could that like could give a, a voice to the voiceless in a way. I think yeah. a lot of like, especially teenagers and stuff like that, when they when they're looking for something, you know, when they don't know what they are yet and who they want to be, and they hear these songs and it, and someone that can be the voice of that generation, you know. Well, and and Kurt Cobain was, you know, and like we were just talking about earlier, like Kurt Cobain was a was a melodic genius. Totally, like, dude. That was where his, that was where his strength was was like melody, really. Because he loved John Lennon, man. Nirvana. He loved Lennon. He loved the Beatles. Like loved the Pixies. He loved these bands that that had these like really melodic sounds, and like he he did it. He obviously Nirvana did it with, oh let's let's make it sound as like brash and hard and loud as we can but we're gonna keep these like pop melodies essentially in, in it is like he was that was what you know when everybody talks about him they're like you know he just had an ear for melody like he was a genius when it came to like making a song because he made hits i mean those are like yeah. all these these songs about you know depression and and these tough subjects and he made he made them these massive smash pop hits and it's like you know, that's a perfect example of, 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 uh, how melody really is at the heart of like, um, you know, songwriting. And, and really it's like, if it's a good melody, you know, I'm sure there's like a good portion of people heard what he was saying and really it latched onto what his lyrics were saying. And then there's like a giant portion of people that were like, they just like when it, when it, when it hits the chorus and it just goes loud and you headbang and it's like this feel of like, ah, you know, and, uh, and it's not really about latching onto the lyrics and more latching onto like the, the, the feel of the song. Yeah. Um, so what, what was the, uh, what, what was the first show you guys did and how did it go? First iration show ever. And how did it go? First iration show. Like we, like I said, we played, we were a garage band in Isla Vista in Santa Barbara. So we, the first shows that we, first shows that we, uh, played were like house parties, backyards, stuff like that, garage. Do you have a name yet? First show, 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, the, the band had a name before I even joined it. So okay. it was like Adam, Jody, Rory from Revolution, and Catlin, Kason's older brother. And then we had like our buddy Racy and we had all of our buddies. It was basically all of our, our friends that we lived, that lived together that were all from Hawaii that we all went to high school with. And if it was like, you, oh, you're going to play. We just needed to fill places in the bands. So it's like, oh, you know how to play like a C chord on a piano. You're going to be the keyboard <laughs> player. Oh, you know how to, you know how to shake a shaker. So you're going to be percussion. So you know good. what I mean? So it's like, we had like ten, eight guys playing and everybody just had their little niche. Like, oh, I'm going to play this part. Amazing. And then we just played coverage. So when I, when I, I actually graduated from college and I moved up and in high school, I sang and I was like, you know, I sang in the choir. I had, I won the music prize for high school. So I was like, you know, they all knew that I was musical. So they were like, when I moved to Santa Barbara after college, they're like, you're in the band. You're going to sing backup. And I was like, okay, sick. Like, I just want to be in the band. You know, I just want to be with the boys. So I sang backup. We had Racy, our buddy Racy and Cat and Catlin were the lead singers. I st stood in the back with a, a, a background mic and we had another, uh, female singer named Jessica. Um, it was, we sang back, backups together and it was like, we had like 10 people on stage and nobody was good <laughs> except for Jessica, except for Jessica, who was like amazing. So she was like, uh, this is, this is really funny actually. She was, she grew up basically in this family that was, uh, like a, like a, like a family band, you know, where her brother was the lead guitarist, her dad was the drummer, like, you know, and then they played the like tracks and they all sang and played guitar. And then they would like, she would come up and do some songs and she has this like beautiful, powerful singing voice. And we'd play shows and she'd have like her two songs that she'd do. She'd do like Don Penn, No, No, No. And she'd do, she'd do like, second verses on a bunch of songs and she would just get up there and the crowd would go like ape. They'd go to ape shit and be like, Oh my God. And then after the show, she'd be like, Jessica is so good. And we're like, yeah, like we know she's way better than us. And then it got to a point where she's like, you know what guys, like I have a career. Like <laughs> I like, I'm going to, she's like a travel agent now and she lives down the street from me. It's so funny because I still see her and she's like, she was so much better than we were at that point. And she like really didn't belong in the band with us, but she like, actually like probably helped us like in the very beginning stages because we had no idea what we were doing and and uh i sang backup and i was like just me and her and we'd sing i'd have like one song that i'd sing um and then eventually everybody just graduated from graduated and like moved on and <clears throat> and when they moved on they're like oh micah uh we lost our guitar player you know parker's gonna go move away so you're, you're you want to play guitar and i was like yeah i don't have to play guitar since i learned college never played electric guitar You're like oh here you play a guitar and i was like okay and i played Kason's electric guitar for like seven years like i never i didn't i couldn't afford my own guitar oh, <laughs> so i didn't even have an electric the guitar, wow. electric guitar i had was like broken and i couldn't fix it so i didn't even like when we, i had a day job and i was like paying the rent and that was basically it and we all worked at this like call center and and uh and as we went along, like, you know, we were just all kind of thrust into these roles. And like, eventually, then it became everybody left and it was me, me and Catlin like, oh, and I started writing songs. And that, that was kind of like, 
what our first EP was, the new Roots EP was like me putting lyrics on top of beats that they had, they had written with like Rory and, and all these other people that were in the band uh, at that point. So it was like the, the name was already there. So when I got there, like the name Iration was already in place. And like, it's funny cause there came a point where we were like, it was like in 2009 or something like 2010. And we're like, dude, should we change our name? Like <laughs> having to explain Iration every time. And like, should we change our name? Like, and we, it was like a serious, I remember it was like a serious discussion of like whether or not we should change our wow. name. And then we were like, no, no man. Like we've come too far already. Like, yeah. We've, we've done all this work, like stuck we built it. a name, like, and yeah, we're going to stick with it. And it's really funny, like looking back on it, cause we really hadn't done anything at that point. We're like, <laughs> I mean, it seemed like, it seemed like we had, we'd gone so far, but it like really like, it was huge, you know, yeah. it was nothing. Yeah. It was like in the grand scheme of things, it was, it was nothing, but it, you know, we stuck with it. And yeah. So, you know, the, it's funny, like people, I don't know if people really know like the beginning stages of the band because it was such a weird, like you know, not normal way to, to do. So the first show, get all the way back around to your, to your question. The first show is like, we're playing in the, I, I can't remember exactly what the actual first show is. The first show for me, I think was playing, uh, at this place called Velvet Jones in Santa Barbara. Oh yeah, I played there. And it was just me standing on the back, back of the stage, singing backups and them going, and I knew like three of the songs and they, we played like 25 songs. Whoa. And I knew three of them and they were like, we go into a song and they'd be like, okay, like, all right. And I, I wouldn't even know, even know the song at all. Like I wouldn't even, know, I haven't even heard it before. They're playing these like deep cut reggae songs. And I was like, uh, like I'll just stand here on the stage like, and just sing whatever, like they tell me to sing. And yeah, so it was like, those are like the first shows. And then, you know, obviously when, when I, as a, as like a, actual member like real member like a singer in the band i'm pretty sure it was uh the first gig we ever played was at like out of town gig was at the lighthouse in hermosa beach and um we we played alongside jessica our old singer's family band sick and uh (laughs) there was like seven people there it was super sick uh we we definitely sucked i played through one of those like those pedal boards that was like had like it was like a multi-effects pedal board and it with like a, you know, like a red LED light popped out. Oh man. Yeah. Oh man. It was bad. Like I just think back in those, like the tones and stuff that I was working with and I was like, it's, it was embarrassing. Dude, I, used to, I yeah. used to have a metal zone pedal, man. Ugh. Oh metal yeah. Zone. Remember those, the boss? Oh my God. It's a classic. Little black box. It's a classic. Orange. Yeah. The oh, boss. Oh my yeah. God, dude. Yeah. That shit was yep. awful. Yep. <laughs> that, that was my favorite pedal to play when I went to Guitar Center. Though. Oh yeah, for sure. Back in the you day, crank it the fuck up. You just hit the crank the metal the metal zone up and just like shred something. <laughs> That's so good. So when uh, and I want to keep you for too much longer, but uh, when so when was the uh, when was the turning point for you? Like you and the band. When did you guys feel like, oh my god, okay, we're we're really doing this now? You know, this is gonna this can sustain us. Where'd you feel like you really had the, the biggest success? I think it was time bomb probably. And, and ended up, I, I know when we put out no time for rest, we all expected it to be this like, Oh, we're going to blow up. Like, you know, we had no, we had no, we were in the NFC. We were in the NFC crowd. We had no fucking clue. Like 
we were like, we we're like, yeah, man, once we just drop this song, it's gonna like, we're gonna, oh my god. And then we dropped it and it was like, we were like twiddling our thumbs, like waiting for the calls to start coming in and no then one cares. nobody gave a shit. And we're like, oh, <laughs> get a second. That's not how it works. Like, and, uh, and I think with no time for rest, we were make, trying to make great gay records and, you know, we were trying to sound a specific way. The sample this EP actually was probably the, the, the biggest thing for us in, in our career was that it had, it was falling. I'm with you. Wait and see. And electricity were the fourth song that that record. And when we put it out, like people immediately really latched onto it. And, uh, I think that was like a big, a big thing for us. And, um, kind of seeing the reaction, you know, I think it was on MySpace and like this big thing in Hawaii. So it was, we were in California, so we had no idea, but it was like, like number one on every island and on every station. Wow. wow. And we're kind of doing this like vi viral thing before we were, there was like virality. And um, after we went back and kind of played shows and it was like these crazy crowds and we we're like, oh my God, like this is awesome. And we were on MySpace and the song was like millions of, like, millions of streams. And we we're like, holy crap, like this is cool. And then, uh, it kind of, after about a year, it kind of died down. And then the iPhone one came out and they had this game on it called tap, tap revenge. That was remember that like a guitar girl for your iPhone. Yeah. And the first level song that they, that they had falling, they asked us to put it on. It was like a additional song that was in the beginner level. And when we did that, it had enough, we had like another spike, like a year after that of, like millions of streams and people that were like downloading it and like, and that was another huge kind of like spike for us, especially with that song. And so I think at that point we were kind of like, Oh, okay. This is, we kind of see a, a pathway forward because, you know, this, that, that really helped us kind of jumpstart our, our career and, and the ample disc, especially the, all four of this, Songs, songs that people relaxed on to, and uh, did that. We started shows and doing the Rocky, and I think we sold the Rocky, and everybody was like, "Oh my God, we sold out the Rocky! Like we're we're gonna make it," you know. And I think those were like the, and you know, we did the Time Bomb record, and I think that was kind of when we, we kind of felt like we had something that was that was kind of unique, and that we could do it. We had. We, we had no idea, obviously. If I were to go back and, you know, and I look at what actually happened after that, I'd probably be like, do I want to do that again? <laughs> like, do I want to go and sit, sit in a tour, travel the country in a tour van for like another like eight years or whatever it was, you know, or like six years? It's like, yeah. I don't know, man. Like, I mean, I, I would obviously, but it's like, you know, knowing what you go through to get there, it's like, it's tough to like, if I had to do it over again, I'd be like, I'd have to think about it because it was rough, man. Like, you know, you know, it is and, yeah. and traveling and touring is, is tough. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's exhausting, man, for sure. Um, but obviously, yeah. you know, um, you guys are out there fucking killing it now. Every time I see, you know, shows or see the pictures, I, I caught, um, I caught one of the shows on the summer tour with, uh, with, uh, dirty heads and, um, you guys are just out there doing 
amazing work, man. It's really good to see. I mean, it's it's no wonder why that that EP took off the way it did. I mean, falling just the the first two lines of that song, you know, it's like we met at a concert, you were wearing Converse. I don't know what it is, but there's just something. It just says so much. I don't. I I, I can't explain it. It's just. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that that was like, yeah, I mean, it's funny because the the line was literally, I, I, I had, we met at a concert and then I was like, nothing rhymes with concert. And it was, it's funny because people always ask me like, was she really wearing Converse, man? And I'm like, actually, <laughs> no, it was just the only thing that rhymed with con, like that I could find that rhymed with con. And I think honestly, I was sitting at home, um, at our house that everybody left for went to back home to Hawaii and I was the only one that didn't go and I was sitting in their house it's like a super hot day and I was just writing on garage band in the living room and I wrote that line I said we we met at a concert and then I swear to god a converse commercial came on television oh man or I just seen one the day before and I was like oh I was like converse I was like that makes sense and it was like at that time chucks were just starting to like come back like really hard come back into fashion you know like people were i mean they obviously never really went away but they were like starting to really push chucks back out again and i was like oh that's kind of makes sense and i was like that actually like paints a pretty cool picture like you know and you know she was wearing converse and it was like and it's funny because i don't even i don't really think about it that much anymore because it's just been you know and you sing it every show for like 10 years or whatever it's been like <laughs> yeah you just you don't really think yeah, you, you don't really it. think about it yeah. like and it's like yeah like it was you know i think that it kind of plays into that like one plus like one plus one equals like three or whatever it is or whatever that that like thing is it's like yeah. you don't you, you say you say the thing but you don't really say the explicitly say what you're trying to say you know and it's like somehow it works out she's wearing converse so maybe she's like kind of in like a punky like edgier thing and i don't know it's like yeah that was a that line i mean that line you know who knows if i don't if i don't write that those two that pairing together like where our career ends up or you know butterfly effect if you go all the way back there but it's like yeah i mean it's some of some of it is luck you know i think a, a, a part of it is luck it's like yeah if that commercial doesn't come on or that it's not in my head at the time that ever happened that's all part of it i think you know some bands just some bands right there's bands that write better songs than we do and like they end up like not in it you know and it's just it depends it's like so many different variables that, that have to come together in, in music and and for things to be successful and i think that we're just a lot of it is luck you know a lot of it is the testament to like our friendship as guys and guys together and i think that Bands that last are bands that early are friends and, and can get along and kind of get through times. And the other part of it is being lucky. And the other part of it is being actually talented. Yeah. And good. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, being talented, being good at what you do is, is a, definitely a huge part of it. Um, the stars seem to be aligned for you when you wrote that song. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, um, but uh, I, I don't know. I, it's it's been really rad to see everything going down. Um, when we did that tour together in 2011, it was like only a couple of weeks, and that's when you guys did the um, it was the Fresh Grounds EP. Is that correct? 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, press yeah. And, um, <clears throat> I could see it then, you know, I could see it like from when we played with each other, it was a 2008, I think it was Cinco de Mayo 2008 at Ram's Head in Baltimore. I think that was the show. Oh my God. Ram's Head. Yeah. yeah. And we were, I'm, I know my band was next yeah. door at Mex just getting fucking plastered with, um, dollar souls, just, just crushing beers. <laughs> And uh, we played terribly, and um, the show was. Yes. I remember the show. I thought it was the uh, most amazing show we'd ever played. And I heard the recording a couple couple of weeks later, and I was like, "Oh God, we're never drinking again." Um, but uh, <laughs> but you know, going just a couple years after that to being on tour with you guys, and seeing seeing the response, and like just the amount of girls that come to your guys' shows, like that girls love your band. It, it's just I don't know. It was just, it was just amazing to see, you know. Yeah, I think I think that uh, you know that's always been good for us. I mean, like having a lot, like especially like like women and, and girls that like love our. If the women and and the girls go to the show, the guys are going to go to the show too. Yeah, like that's how it's going to be. And, exactly. Uh, there's always that like, just like for every like one girl that buys a shirt, like five guys will buy a shirt. So it's like, I mean, we didn't. I don't. Maybe maybe it's just that I'm such a like you know I'm like a you know I'm in touch with my uh, feminine side or something like that. <laughs> but like, um, I don't write particularly. You know, always I think Time Bomb is really the song that kind of like Time Bomb and you know being a being kind of an anthem for for girls is like, women is like yeah. that, that was my intent. You know, like writing the song for for women so that not to like party shame them. You know, like oh. She's a drunk, hot mess. Like, it's like dudes write songs about like partying and like, you know, turning up and like they're celebrated and then, you know, and don't have that same thing. So I was like trying to like, Hey, why don't we write a song so that it like, you know, puts it in a good light, you know, gives them an anthem essentially. And that was like, you know, maybe that was the reason why, you know, girls kind of latch onto a, you know, that song in particular, obviously, but yeah. Yeah. I think, um, and it's funny on, on that tour that as a side note on that tour that when we played at Ramshead, um, that was the first tour we'd ever been on. And we were, we did the tour with Pepper. That was the Playboys in Paradise tour. And it basically got it. It routed us. There was a secondary market tour and it routed us all the way to New Jersey. And they played, um, um, Bamboozled or Bamboozle Festival in the, in the Meadowlands. And, uh, after it was done, they flew to Europe to go play with, um, Flogging Molly, I think. And, uh, we were basically like, they're like, Oh, you guys got to route yourselves back. And we didn't have an agency at the time. Oh, man. Adam was our booking agent. So we weren't on like William Morris or CAA or anything like that. And we were like, okay, uh, Adam booked. So Adam reached out to you guys, I think. Yeah, he did. Adam. And the funny thing is, the first first time the first show we played was at this place in Brooklyn called the Trash Bar. Uh-huh. And it's a famous little place, but we literally pulled up to it and there was a tenth aisle trash in front of it. <laughs> and we're like, oh my god, that's just a clever name. <laughs> and uh and it, the Pepper Tour and it was this amazing tour, packed houses all the country, you know, for our first national tour. And then on the way home we played from the like I mean, besides like a couple shows, like like we played with you guys, so we kinda like we kind of uh, usurped your like your fan base that was there for you guys, not really us. And 
other than that, we played at all these tiny little dive bars, like nobody there, like all the way back across the country. So basically we called, it was like Playboys in Paradise on the way out there. And then we called it, we dubbed it the Gimps in Hell on the way back. Because <laughs> we were just like, <laughs> we were just like in a night, it was a nightmare. Like Adam's book, the Adam Taylor booking agency's like greatest moment became his like greatest failure. We still joke with him to this day. We're like, yeah, man, you know, the Adam Taylor booking agency was kind of like a disaster to be honest. Like the Gimps in Hell tour wasn't really a success, <laughs> but it was like just going all the way back across the country, be playing in front of Going from playing these like, you know, House of Blues and for us that was, you know, these massive shows and like going back across the country and playing like, you know, tiny little dirt bar with like nobody there all the way back across the country um, was a good like juxtaposition of like, okay, you guys realize that you haven't done anything yet. You know, you played these big, big shows with Pepper, but like that's not your crowd yet. Like you, you still have a lot of work to do. Yeah. And that was, that happened to be on the, that Ram's Head live show was, was one of those shows um, on that tour. So it's a kind of a funny, I always will remember it, like all those sh shows on that tour stick with me. Like, And obviously meeting you guys for the first time because we'd heard about you and we'd, you know, we'd kind of like heard your music and like um, there weren't that many bands in the genre at that time. It was like, you know, Slightly Stupid, 311, Pepper, yeah. Pacifier. Us. And you guys, yeah. Revolution Pacifier, and then Stick Figure was, like, Scott was out there, but he was, like, doing something real different. And then, you know, there's B Foundation, Dirty Heads, those bands. Yeah. And they're just Tomorrow's Bad Seeds. There weren't, like, a there weren't like a lot of bands. And now there's so many. Like, it's crazy now. I, I hear Tribal Seeds, I think it was still a band at that point, too, and Revolution. But it was, like, there just weren't that many bands. So it was, like... We knew everybody, you know, yeah. like, that's why, you know, we're all close. Like, you know, we know we're close because we've all toured together. Yeah. And it's like, we've all spent this time together because at that point, like, oh, who are you going to tour with? Well, there's like eight other bands <laughs> yeah. in the genre that you can tour with. So like, we got to tour so together. True. Like, and so it, but we all, it, it just happens like, you know, almost everybody in the genre, like, especially the bands that we all know and we all came up with, they're all cool. Like, mm -hmm. there's not a lot of like, you know, D bags out there that like you don't want to tour with. And I mean, there are like, I'm not going to name names, but like, right. obviously like we all got along. Mm -hmm. We get along with like almost everybody, you know, stupid, all the stupids and the pep peppers and, and expendables and, and all those bands. We all are good friends to this day. And like, you know, it's 2008. We, we, we played that show together and it's, it's 2018 and I'm doing your podcast. So it's yeah. like a testament to like, you know, we cut our teeth together and, and, uh, the friendships are, are real. And like, when you, when you, when you go through those times together, like it makes your, even like, we don't have to talk. Like I don't talk, we don't talk to everybody in the genre, like every day, yeah. you know, like I don't have, it's not like that, but when we see each other, it's like, Hey, bring it in brother. Like, exactly. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Anytime, anytime I've like, uh, like it's, uh, it's been a few times where like I'll, um, like we don't talk all the time, but like when I see, when I happen to see that we're going to be in the same town or something, I'll, I'll be like, "Yo, dude, <laughs> hook it up!" You know, go, yeah. go check out the show or whatever. Um, of course, that's just that's just uh, that's just rad. Yeah, it's funny um, when you brought that up. I actually so <clears throat> to, to kind of close this out, I wanted to. Uh, I had a few people ask, you know, like they wanted to ask a couple questions or whatever from sure. the uh, from the old Instagram. Um, so. Uh, about you know when you say there weren't weren't as many bands and stuff back then, uh, 
I got a question here that says, uh, do you feel the scene has become oversaturated? And if, if so, why? What do you think about that? Um, I, 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 I think it's oversaturated. I do think it's oversaturated, but I think it's oversaturated in the way that I don't think enough bands are, are trying to do something different. You know, that's my biggest, my biggest issue is like, I, with that. I, I, I think that there's too many bands that want to sound like revolution or they want to sound like slightly stupid or they want to sound like, you know, whatever. And it's like, I think that I, like, I've always, like, I, I want to see bands push the genre. Like, I want to see, like, that, I feel like that's always been our kind of like role in this thing is like to, to try to push the sound and try to say like, listen, you can go other places. Like you can explore and like, it doesn't have to sound this way. It doesn't have to be roots reggae. Like, like we like, look at the dirty heads. Like, yeah, they had success early and they had roots records, but they also, now they make, you know, these like radio hits and it's like, there's, there's room for both. You know what I mean? Like you can be, you can like, you can have both. And it's like, I think that we, I've always said like, you know, I, I think that there's a lot, there's a lot of good bands out there and a lot of talented, talented people. And it's like, but I really have, anytime I talk to like younger bands that are up and coming and they're like, dude, what should we do? What should we do? I'm just like, just try to make it sound different. Yeah. You know, try to find, try to find what it is that makes you unique and then go that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's so many bands. Yeah. I don't even know. Like I have, I can, I honestly say like, I don't, have i don't know all the bands like i don't i used to know them all and now i don't I know it's the so, weirdest thing <clears throat> a decade yeah. later it's like we're i feel like 2006 is where i really started to kind of ramp up when when uh, pepper put out no shame and stupid was out there doing yeah. their thing already and it really started to go up and then <clears throat> you know right around probably i don't know maybe i guess maybe when a couple years into like cali roots and all that stuff like that shit really just started exploding i started seeing bands all over the place in 2011 i started seeing like reggae bands in st louis you know i was like what is happening you know and it was it was a good thing it was cool you know but like you say it's like we already have we already have an iration we already have a revolution you know we have a dirty heads do something that's that's gonna make you stand out and you know on on your own yeah exactly yeah i think that's my biggest thing um do any let's see uh do any of the guys in iration skateboard or longboard yeah um i don't because i'll break myself same same here pretty much pretty much adam all the surfers do for sure um adam joe Kason. um they're all they all surf so they're all pretty capable skaters um i'm not i skated when i was like seven and then i like ate crap and my neighbors had a half pipe and I like can never drop in on it. So I quit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I'm, I'm like the extreme, the extreme sports days for me are dead. My, my body is broken down from years of playing sports. And, and, uh, so I stick to golf, like the, like the, uh, middle-aged white man's sport of, uh, choice. Oh, you're in, you're so, into golf. I know that. I'm a huge golf nut. Like it's, for me, it's like my release on the road. I can go and play golf and like be away from the the thing to kind of do my own thing. And it's like, yeah, I realize like I realize that it, what it what it comes off as is slightly pompous and like you know snooty. But it's like I really like golf for like the like the most basic elements of it, which are like 
nature, like being outside and like, you know, kind of like being, being just in a peaceful, calm, like environment. Yeah. <laughs> That's really what it's about for I me. I imagine like, it breaks up the monotony of, you know, the madness being on the road and stuff. It's like Groundhog Day. Yeah. It's a challenge, you know, it's, it's really hard and I, I like, I enjoy stuff like that. So. That's good. Um, let's see a couple more here. Let's see. Um, is double up coming out on vinyl? I need it. Seven exclamation marks. I don't know. I mean, it could double up was an album that we were like, let's just, we need to make an acoustic record. Like, um, I think it would be cool to have to kind of put a bunch of songs that we felt like either were our strongest songs that people would want to hear acoustically. And then a few, like half the other half of the songs that were like, maybe we wanted that acoustically they were bet. I felt like they might even be better songs acoustically than they actually ended up being as, you know, produced like electric songs. So, I mean, we, I think we will. The thing is, the problem is all of our records we're trying to get on, on vinyl. They're so backed up that it takes like a year to get them pressed. Yeah. And they, they, they press them over in like the Czech Republic or something like that. And so it takes like, it's like really tough to deal with. And, and people are, you know, we don't even have hot enough like pre- pressed right now. Uh-huh. So yeah, it's just been a, been a giant kind of like, issue with trying to get them pressed and if anybody knows places that can press like some high quality vinyl like maybe let me know Yeah, in, in like two months time <laughs> yeah yeah please yeah, i'm still waiting on my detonate the new record it's like <laughs> it's take forever yeah. but um no it's it's ridiculous yeah um let's see uh actually pinto had asked about um when kai left uh if you were con- if you were concerned about the tra- uh, the transition but i think you kind of answered that yeah, yeah, we were, and 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 rightfully so. Like Kyle's a talented singer and songwriter, and and but I, like I said, yeah, Micah Brown really helped us kind of like navigate that, and uh, yeah, that's rad. Um, and let me see, this might be the last one here. I got I got a bunch of silly ones, so I'm just trying to weed them out. Um, oh, uh, what's the uh, what's the one song uh, you guys perform the most? Um, wait, wait, say what's the one song they perform? They love the most and why? Okay, yeah. What song do you perform and love the most? Oh, it's hard to say. It's like it changes all the time. A lot of bangers. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) a lot of bangers to choose. A lot of bangers, bro. Uh, (laughs) Um, I think I like songs that for me are in my vocal range. That so I don't have to like stress about them too much. You know, where I can really like feel like vocally like. I'll, I'll, I enjoy singing them. So, and then that are fun to play. Um, so for me, like my favorites are Fly With Me and, uh, Relin are my two kind of favorite ones because they just kind of have fun parts and, and vocally they're, they're right in my like wheelhouse. So I think that's my, my two favorites. But yeah, the new stuff for me is really fun to play always just because it's fresh. Yeah fucking love reeling still dude it's like just the cadence on that song like the the way your vocals uh the rhythm and stuff of your vocals and everything and just i don't know just i love that like all the elements in that song just like i thought it was like the perfect song thank you i really like that song too it's one of my favorites that we've done for sure uh okay last one um okay uh, okay what's the first concert you ever attended as a fan as a fan um i say the there was definitely these concerts in Hawaii that I attended um with like my parents I think but those were like it was like this band called the Hawaiian style band that was like this massive thing for a while in Hawaii 
Um, I saw them at my local theater and it was like, that was kind of a mind blowing experience. But like the first concert that I ever really saw, I didn't see a, a real proper concert. Like we saw Ika Mouse when I was in high school in, in Kona, but that wasn't really it. It's like the first real concert I ever really saw was, um, in college actually. Cause in Hawaii on the big island, especially we didn't really get big acts. Like we didn't get concerts, you know, it wasn't like a, a normal thing for me to go and see a, see a show. So, I didn't, until I was basically 18 years old, I didn't really see like a proper concert. Wow. And yeah, it was pretty crazy to think about that actually now. But I saw Wyclef Jean and it was, uh, Wyclef Jean with De La Soul and Black Eyed Peas pre Fergie. <laughs> and, uh, I was a, I'm a big hip hop fan. So I like went and saw that show and it was at my, at my school in college and it was like mind blowing, you know, it, it like blew my mind and. You know, I'm not like, I loved the carnival, but Wyclef Sean, it was an amazing, that was obviously like a kind of a seminal yeah, record in that record. period of time. And, uh, I was big into hip hop. So it was just like, just seeing a show of that size and just seeing how a concert and the energy can be like something like that. And it was, it was really cool. Yeah. Probably people wouldn't guess that it was Wyclef Sean, but yeah. Yeah. My first concert. That's cool, man. My, uh, my yeah. first show was, uh, is Rat and Poison. <laughs> that's like so the opposite <laughs> end of the like i love like poison i was i grew up on poison so like i love that oh, man. that's funny glam bands was a shit it was it was rat motley crew poison those are like my favorite bands when i was a kid oh uh, i i those are like i used to when i was in fourth grade no joke or sixth grade i used to listen to motley crew poison all those all those bands like on my on my uh walk man that's awesome <laughs> so like dr feel good and and shout uh, the devil uns uns yeah unskinny bop, unskinny bop. yeah <laughs> those are songs i just like there's know. a there's a tape of me somewhere in, in a landfill or like circling somewhere in the ocean um of me as an eight-year-old kid <laughs> singing the entire dr feel good album front to back um that yeah that needs to resurface i really do oh my god because do we need we need to go we need to go on a mission a la steve zisu to the pacific garbage <laughs> patch and, and find it seriously dude like there's there's somewhere there's there's a cassette tape of of an eight-year-old kid singing she goes down and not understanding what it meant <laughs> oh yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of innuendo in, in uh motley Crue songs so much there's, there's a there's a little bit of innuendo in the motley Crue yeah song, just a yeah. little bit yeah, no. It's a small My amount. mom, uh, I'm sure, was rolling her eyes. Just, but she let me do it. That was the coolest thing. <laughs> she just let me go on doing That's it. That's awesome. Yeah, she was very supportive. That's awesome. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, dude, it was uh, awesome to talk to you. Thanks so much for uh, coming on the show. Thanks, man. I'm honored that you thought of me to be on it. So, of course, I appreciate man. it. Nah, I've just been. Uh, it's cool to go ahead. It's cool to talk about yourself for like an hour and a half. Totally. Yeah, I love talking about myself. <laughs> it's a nice, it's a nice, nice ego boost for me for, to talk about myself for like ninety minutes to you, and you just listen. <laughs> no, I was just thanks. It was it was great to actually just there are a lot of things I didn't know about about you and the and the career and all that. So, and uh, this whole thing uh -huh. is about the reason why I started this thing was because um, I just wanted to kind of tell about. I don't know the experience and like what new bands and new artists can expect and what to do, what not to do kind of thing. And, uh, it's always, yeah, totally. it's always interesting getting the uh, perspective from other artists when I bring them on. And, um, I think they're going to appreciate it. Well, I appreciate it because there's, there's very few like avenues where we can even like explain those sides of things. You know, it's like, normally we do these interviews and it's like, 
a 15 minute interview where they ask you the same like five questions, you know, yeah. for it's literally been that way for the entire time. You know, you're, you get, you get the like, Oh, I'm here from the blah, blah, blah. I need to ask you, you got 15 minutes. They call you and it's like, you know, the same questions. Where does iration come from? Where does this, stuff? it's like, okay. Yeah. I, and then, <laughs> you know, you have like these recycled answers that you just kind of keep going to. And it's like, this is a nice format where, you can actually like delve into these stories or where people, most people probably don't know. And I can, you know, get a little bit more in depth. I appreciate that. Yeah, dude. No, I appreciate all the, uh, the openness and everything. It's, it's very cool. Uh, like I said, I think everybody's going to love listening to this. Um, cool, cool, man. Well, uh, have yourself a wonderful day and I hope to see you a lot sooner than later. Me too. Me too. Are we, are we playing anything together uh, soon? You guys doing, um, you guys doing one love? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What day are you doing? First day? We're doing the first day. We're, we're doing Sunday. Sorry, doing Sunday. Yeah. Okay. Um, I might be in town. We're we're doing some. Uh, we might be doing some recording. I talked to uh, Ye and those guys, and uh, might go to their studio. Oh, nice. Borrow it for a few days. Sick. Well, if you are in town, come say yeah, hi. Yeah, for sure. Like, awesome, dude. Well, um, hey, take it easy, right, and uh, tell everybody said hello. I will. Thanks, Howie. Say what's up to the guys for me Definitely, too. Definitely, man. Hi, brother. All right, take care, bud. Later. There you have it, folks. What a good guy. It's awesome. Um, if you don't know who Iration is, you got to check him out. Great band um, out of California. They're, they're all over the, uh, the, in, the interwebs, the Instagram. I think it's Iration Music is the handle. Um, check out their songs on Spotify, Apple Music, everywhere, everywhere you consume music, they're there. Um, these guys are definitely... Uh, They've been on this gradual come up for years, and um, it's really cool to see them with all the success that they've had. So congrats to those guys on the radio and everything else, man. It's been really cool to see. Um, thank you for listening, and uh, more to come. I hope to catch you on the next episode of Tales from the Green Room. Please like, subscribe, uh, leave a, a review you know, on, on iTunes, uh, rate it five stars if you would to help the, help the uh, podcast stay up in the, in the charts there. Um, yeah, thank you very much. Have a wonderful day. <laughs>